Thank you for listening to Because Radio. With me on the phone today is Tessa Blakey Whitecloud, Executive Director of One Just City. Thanks for joining me today, Tessa. Thanks so much for having me. Recently, the Winnipeg Foundation announced new support for frontline community organizations through one-time unrestricted grants, acknowledging that organizations know best how to use the funds in the community to make the largest impact. The foundation made these grants unrestricted to allow organizations, just like One Just City, to be nimble in their responses. Uh, Before we talk about the grant, Tessa, could you share with us exactly what is One Just City and what do you do for the community? Sure. So Wanda City is a nonprofit that supports three outreach sites in the community. So we support Oak Table, which is a drop-in soup kitchen in Osborne Village that has a range of health programs, uh, literacy programs, art programs. Um, we support West Broadway Community Services, which is in West Broadway, actually named. Um, and same thing, they have emergency food pantries, they have showers, they have laundry, uh, and they have a lunchtime meal program. So really trying to be accessible and offer folks what they need, especially if they're living on the street. And then St. Matthew's Maryland Community Ministry, which is actually at the junction of St. Matthew's and Maryland. And they have a regular food bank, they have seniors art programming, and they have a, a drop-in lunch program as well. So these three locations together actually created One Just City with the support of the United Church of Canada in order to continue the work that they're doing and work with a secular nonprofit that could support them. And so Wonder City in 2017, actually in response to a tweet from Aboriginal Youth Opportunities, um, opened Just a Warm Sleep. And Just a Warm Sleep is only no barrier overnight space uh, in the winter. And so we allow dogs, we allow shopping carts. In fact, we have some resident grandmas who are often coming in with their shopping carts. And we offer... Uh, the possibility for couples to not be segregated based on gender. So for people that are newly homeless and experiencing a lot of loss already, it's really difficult for them to then also be separated sometimes from their spouse. And so we try to make sure that people can uh, sleep adjacent. And lastly, we're a place where people can be using substances so long as they can be respectful. So Just a Warm Sleep runs from January 1st to March 31st every year. Um, although, you know, with Winnipeg's help, we might be able to expand that next year because we know that it all gets cold in December. You actually recently held a cold winter triathlon. Is that correct? We did, yeah, just this past weekend. So it's yeah. called Beat the Cold. The notion is you beat the cold so others don't have to. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so Beat the Cold, uh, this was our second annual, and we're going to do it again next year, hopefully with skating next year. This year, the River Trail, of course, is closed. So um, last year, it was a bike, uh, skate, and run. Uh, This year, it was a run, bike, run. Um, And this year, actually, I got to participate, which is super fun. So it's a, there's relay teams, there's athletes, there's fun leads. And there's people who finish the course in 30 minutes and people who take well over an hour. Uh, so it's really just an accessible triathlon um, and people get to raise funds for Just a Warm Sleep. Um, and all of the registration proceeds also go to Just a Warm Sleep. And Triathlon Manitoba and TriFactor Triathlon Training help us put it on. That sounds so awesome. And you guys are making such a large impact to the community. Can you give us some examples of a story where One Just City has made an impact in someone's life? Yeah, so I actually think... Um, the best way to do that maybe is to read you a note. And so this note is from one of our regular sleepers. So she says, thanks to all of you who are watching over me when I sleep. My husband and I recently lost our home in a fire and homelessness is new and very scary. Until we found just a warm sleep, we were sleeping in bus shelters or in broken down houses, often surrounded by blood and needles. Now I actually get to rest and go to my full-time job feeling refreshed because I need to keep it so that we can find housing again. Having a warm place to sleep can really, really change 
someone's life, really. Well, and we've been at capacity. And so when we're full, we help people find other locations. But it's also just like the need is really high right now Mm -hmm. in terms of spaces where people can use substances, spaces where people can come in. We've had a resident dog for a couple of weeks. Um, So, you know, people that are experiencing homelessness have all sorts of needs. And that's why it's really important to have diverse services. And we have that through the support event homelessness Winnipeg. Speaking about needs, being on the front lines, you see firsthand what's happening in the community. What were some of the most pressing needs that you see in your work? Two that kind of jump to mind that we need to do better at a systems level. So one of those is we need to have a comprehensive response for when someone is using meth and is ready to get help. So often we see people who go to the hospital um, because they might be experiencing some really negative meth symptoms. And once they're in the hospital, there isn't anywhere to send them for rehabilitation or support. And so we see them again the next day. And they might have managed to be sober for a little bit. Uh, but if you're homeless and you're hungry and you're cold, meth um, is, is under $5 normally and lasts 12 hours and you're no longer cold and you're no longer hungry. And so it's an economic choice for survival that then becomes an addiction. And so I think it's really important that we, we try to house people and support them to become clean from meth. And, uh, and right now we don't really have a system in place that helps people do that. One of the systems that I think could also help, like, you know, a lot of the people we see at our daytime lunch programs are completely sober and have been for a long time, but are just experiencing a level of poverty. Maybe they're on disability, maybe they're on EIA, um, but they're getting $3.96 a day for food. And that's not enough. Uh, it's not enough to eat, and so they end up having to eat at the soup kitchens we run um, and get emergency food kits from us. And, and we're happy to make sure that we're responding to that need, but we'd be way happier if that need wasn't there. And that need could not be there if we either raised EIA disability rates or we you know, adapted a universal basic income as a society and said that everyone deserves the dignity to figure out how to heal and, and uh, you know, do better for themselves. But that only happens if you're not already struggling about where you're going to live and how you're going to eat. Absolutely. As we mentioned earlier, on January 8th, the Winnipeg Foundation announced their one-time unrestricted grants for frontline community organizations. How will this grant go towards the work that One Just City does? So a couple of things that we're doing right away with the grants, we are uh, taking on some nonviolent crisis intervention training for staff and volunteers. Uh, and that's really important because we are, you know, this, this grant is about responding to increased use of meth. Um, and sometimes people that are experiencing meth are experiencing paranoia and fear. And so how do we respond in a good way to that as opposed to escalate them? Um, we also have expanded our staffing hours at Just a Warm Sleep. So previously it was volunteers who did intake from 9 to 11. Um, but now we have volunteers and a staff person there starting at 9. And that allows for deeper relationships to be built so that there's more trust. So that if somebody is having a moment, we can have a, a backbone of a strong relationship with them to 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 work calm them down or to get them support. And then another big piece is that in a lot of our locations, we have one staff person working alone. And uh, given the increase in the difficulties that people experiencing poverty are having right now, and again, poverty is just a symptom of inequality, so the problem is inequality. Because of the, the increase in difficulties people are having, we wanted to make sure we had staff that weren't alone anymore, um, at least when the drop-ins are open. So we've been managing to get some really cool, amazing people on the team. Um, we hired two uh, Indigenous women uh, to do kind of Indigenous cultural programming in the spaces, and and now our staff are not alone. So that works out really well um, because we get to kind of do two really important things, work on our goals of reconciliation and also increase the safety for our team. Thanks to this funding, it was amazing. So what does having this type of grant with all this flexibility mean to organizations like yours? It is so crucial. 
uh, to have discretionary funds because it allows us to do what we know needs to get done. It allows us to buy nonviolent crisis intervention manuals. Uh, it allows us to buy extra toilet paper or tampons for people using the overnight space so that they aren't uh, concerned about resources while they're trying to have a good rest. It allows us to be really flexible in terms of like meeting the needs that we're seeing in the community and figuring out what needs to get done. So we had a mental health first aid course last week, and it's funding from this grant. And the fact that we get to spend it on what we know matters means that we're using it to build the capacity of our organization to respond to these frontline needs. Uh, and sometimes with other grants, you're only allowed to spend it on a very specific thing, which is awesome because you get to spend it on a program uh, that is important. Uh, but it does mean that you can't transfer or use any of those funds for things that you might be like, oh, wow, like that's an emergency and we need to do something about that, but I have no money for it, so I can't. And so this funding allows us to tackle some of those emergencies. And one of those for us was that our staff was working alone. Well, thank you for your time today, Tessa. Is there anything you would like to add before we go? We're just so grateful for the Winnipeg Foundation's way of doing granting. Uh, one of the things that I think is so crucial is that the Winnipeg Foundation, much like us with our guests, like people ask what's sort of different about one of the city's uh, drop-in soup kitchens versus other sites. And we say, like, we're really focused on building a relationship with people and getting to know them and understanding their organization, like the, what they need. And the Winnipeg Foundation does that in terms of getting to understand organizations that they're supporting and then grant in a way that supports and bolsters that organization to meet their mission and to live out their values. And I just think that that's an amazing way of doing granting that really allows for something like this, for a response that says, you know, we're seeing this, we're hearing this because we're in conversation, we're in relationship, and so we want to respond in a good way. And then the follow-through is there. So thanks so much, the Winnipeg Foundation. Thank you, Tessa. Because Radio is produced by the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU-FM. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit becauseradio.org.